we are people first. And so it was a shift for me to understand like, like what are your personal goals? Like we never talked about personal goals in any work setting I've ever been in. It was like, that was for after work, um, for you to figure out like what vacation do you want to take or what, what's going on with your kids? Like what, what experience do you want to create with your family this year? No one ever asked me that until I got here. And I was like, this is fun. Cause I believe like we should be working to fund our life, not like living to work. Hello, everybody. David Donaldson here with another edition of Entrepreneurial Impact. And as you saw in our last show, Joe and I just celebrated our 30th recording. So here we are on episode one for the next 30 as we get ready to launch into 2023. So Joe and I are joined today with Kate Pack. And Kate is the general manager of the KW Metro Center organization and here in Northern Virginia. And Kate, Joe and I are tremendously excited to have you here with us today. Yes, thank you for allowing me to be here. I'm excited to be episode 31 and kick this off. Right. Just think of it as episode one. That's okay. <laughs> episode one, okay, season two. Sure. I'm okay being 31. <laughs> <laughs> we're just we're not sure how we're going to split it up. Just think of it as this is the first one for next year and you're leading off. I love that. That's a great reframe there. I, right? I appreciate that. I've been through some spin classes. I could sell anything. <laughs> So, Joe, what do you think? We got Kate here with today. What are you excited about? What, where do we want to take it today? Well, I think the best part about having Kate on today is I've spent so much time with her and her business and getting to know her story that, like, the fact that we're interviewing is kind of, like, crazy to me because, like, I just think I just know her so well. Kate, I think the best part about your story is, like, wherever you want to start with it, but the fact that you got into leadership out of sales because you actually wanted to impact people and just your journey has been amazing to see just from uh, going from new construction into team leader, then going through your trials and tribulations, then eventually going into the GM position is just amazing to see. So I think wherever, like what, I guess probably the best thing to understand for you from sales to like leadership is why did you make that jump? I think starting there is probably the most important. Yeah. So I had um, worked for a big publicly traded home builder company for 12 years right out of college. Um, I actually went to school for broadcast journalism and then spent a intern semester in Washington, D.C. for NBC News Channel and spent a lot of time at the White House press house and interviewing NBA stars and doing all these cool things. And yet only to realize this is not the path for me for many reasons. Um, and so after I graduated, college, I went right into real estate, uh, working for um, NVR, Ryan Holmes, big East Coast publicly traded builder. And I learned a lot in that process, a lot about sales, a lot about people, I ended up going into management for them for the last five years I was with them. And even though I learned a ton, it was a very, um, it, very profit first culture. And so when I knew it was time for a change after being there so long and having some unexpected life events occur, um, my perspective really shifted. And it was more about how do I use what I know I'm good at and like my superpowers, if you will, to make the biggest ripple effect on everyone else around me. And how do I put myself in a position where I'm forced to show up as the best version of me, which will then allow me to enhance, you know, my, how I show up as a mom, how I show up as a spouse, how I show up as a friend. Um, 
And so I did come straight into Keller Williams in a leadership role, overseeing at first just the Old Town Alexandria office. And when I first read the mission statement of Keller Williams, I was like, that's it. Like I, this is, this is who I am. Like I, this, and I, I've joked with both of you before that people give me a little bit of crap sometimes like, oh, you're all about Keller Williams. And I'm like, yes. And this is my lifestyle. Like this is how I live. Um, so I, it was just total alignment there. And, and actually I remember one point praying and I said to myself, or I, I prayed that, you know, I just want a role that I can use all the elements of real estate that I'm great at and have a massive impact on other people and achieve a quality of life balance and still make good money. Like that was exactly how I did it. And sure enough, here we are. I'm going to pinpoint something. I don't know if you know, I, I noticed it when you were telling the story, when you went, you, you, you cited management at MVR Ryan Holmes, and then you cited leadership when you made the transition to Keller Williams. And I think those of you listening is huge because there, there's managers and then there's leaders. And I think that's hugely impactful for the transition into Keller Williams and what and what Kate has been able to achieve because managers have a scope, leaders have a mission. I love that. I mean, I was a very highly performing middle-level micromanager at Ryan House. I mean, truly. Um, and I love the company and I still have so many friends there today and I wouldn't be where I am today without that, right? So I, I recognize that. And that was a big shift, like learning how to lead through influence, learning how to lead people who didn't report to you directly, like all of these wonderful real estate agents that we have the privilege to partner with. Um, so a lot of time over the past eight years pouring into um, leadership and how to be a better leader and how to realize where I am biased in terms of, you know, initially when I started out, I was really overly people biased. So I would empathize with people in a way to try to connect with them that inevitably allowed them off the hook, right? And didn't actually push them to achieve what they wanted to achieve. And so having to understand that I was naturally wired that way and how I could strategically still show that I care about someone and push them to their potential was really like a, a breakthrough kind of moment. When you, when you say that, you kind of light up when you're talking to them, right? Which is very, very cool. Is there a moment? Because it's not always there right away, right? It takes you time and things come together and you're trying out different things and, and working with people. And you're right, working with those that are independent business owners, right? And trying to help lead them or motivate them. Was there any particular one incident or maybe it's a combination of ones where you realize, okay, this is how this works? Was it one person or one conversation where the light really went off for you? Gosh, I'm, I tend to be someone who like, this is not a good quality. And yet I focus on what is not right. And I want to fix it. And I kind of skim over like what's right. Cause I'm like, oh, good. We're good there. And so I, I do distinctly remember reading the 21 laws of irrefutable leadership and asking people close to me to do the assessment of me. And it was people that I was kind of on an equal like colleague level, people that I reported to and people that, you know, I was leading. And that was eye-opening. So to realize that like my awareness in some of these leadership categories was not like what was being received and how I was being received really helped me identify like 
what areas are worth working on? How do I still stay authentic to myself? And what areas did I need to go find people in our world to surround myself with that have strengths that I'm just never going to have? Um, so it was more of a process than it was an emo- one moment because every day, like I have moments every day, I tell all my leaders, like if you're a leader, if you're a great leader or a leader of many, like you might not have two good days in a row, right? I don't even remember who said that. And yet that gives me peace because there's a lot of days that I'm like, man, I really messed that up today. Like, I wish I could go back and redo it. Um, and yet, you know, you figure it out and you learn from it and you go on. So it's every day. <laughs> I respect that. I think, and I, I think few people would actually open themselves up to that type of evaluation and humility to say, be honest with me. Like just, oh, and they were honest. Let me tell you, like, <laughs> I, I still remember some of the things and I still hold on to them. And I'm like, Kate, this is not serving you move past this. Yet, I'm like, Hmm. I wonder why that person seven, eight years ago made that the oh. So anyway, we all grow. So, so there are people that did that maybe we haven't spoken to in a while. No, they're in my world every day. So we see. I, I purposely try to demonstrate the areas I've grown. I'm like, oh, look at this. But, <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. You gotta have some fun. Well, I think it's also like a trait of great leaders or even great achievers have to have some level of self-awareness. Right. And the people that are most self-aware, I think it's a combination, like as you're you're saying that, Kate, it's in order to grow, you have to be self-aware enough of like your strengths and your weaknesses, and then coachable enough to check your ego at the door and say, like, if I want to be the highest and best version of myself, I have to let the ego go because it's the ego that stops me from hearing the coaching as critical as critical feedback for me to get better rather than criticism that then causes you to anchor in and defend whatever that thing is that the person's giving you. And I think for anybody listening to the call, if you go from sales and you're in sales and people tell you the best thing since sliced bread, because you do all these volume and you got all the, the shiny objects and everybody's trying to get at you. And then eventually the door opens to go into management. And then from management, you start to realize that, yeah, I can manage by title, but if I really want to have the growth and opportunities, I actually have to become a leader. And then when you get into leadership, all the things that suited you in sales being flashy being uh, me first and ego driven and, and all those in not being able to take feedback on coaching and all that kind of stuff actually inhibits your growth to the next 10 years, 20 years and whatever level you're trying to get at. So it's always very fascinating that you've got a lot of high level salespeople in all forms and fashions of business, but there's very, high, very few high level leaders because what serves you in sales doesn't necessarily translate into leadership. Yeah, it's a totally different skill set. And I, you know, I've been in both buckets and I, you know, I, I coach people to that a lot. Like, are you ready for the work that you are going to have to do on yourself in order to attract and retain talented people around you? Because it's not about you anymore. Like when you're leading, especially as you grow and scale a business, it's literally about everybody else and succeeding through people. Like I remember one year, I walked around the market center for a year and just said to myself, like, I will succeed through others because it did not come naturally to me at all. Like, I just said, I'll just do it. Let me just do it. It's easier, saves time. And yet that, you know, that has a ceiling. And, and, you know, I also wasn't willing to go back to like full burnout mode because that is what I believe has caused me a lot of health issues in the past. 
And so I'm really cognizant of that boundary. And so when you're looking at like, okay, I want to scale a big business and I want to live a big life. And yet I only have 24 hours in the day and I have three kids at home and my time with them is incredibly important and non-negotiable. How do you do that in the time that's left? Right. So there's a lot there. The other thing I was thinking about, Dave, when you asked me that was like a pivotal transition time was when I was studying to be a maps coach, that period of time. So maps coaching is, you know, um, most of you listening probably know it stands for mega agent productivity systems. And it's a coaching company exclusive to Keller Williams and teaches the systems and models of KW. But in order to be a maps coach, you have to go through a pretty rigorous process of studying of, um, role play of evaluation. And that was one of the hardest professional things I've ever done. And yet the motivation to be in that room of the top 1% in our industry and to be in direct communication with great mentors of mine that were then and still are today, that was really transformative. So once I figured that out, I sort of ingrained a lot of the verbiage and the strategies and the ability to lead through coaching. And that is my preferred way to communicate always to everybody and yet definitely have a lead. You know, it's interesting to hear like so you went first was saying you went through the, the self-evaluation and awareness, right? And then you kind of opened yourself up a second time to go through maps coaching, right? And there is a decision there because there are a lot of people and a lot of leaders who are very good at coaching and leading, right? But they don't choose to go down that path of enhancing that, right? So what made you take that extra step and go, you know, this is the right direction for me also because you could have been just good at building the people that you had. In yeah, I mean, I think for me, I'm always looking at like, what's the next step of how to get to the next level for me? And by doing that, and I what I mean by that is for my growth, right? Like, so through MAPS Coaching, we had to identify our core values, right? So I've identified mine, which is still true to this day, is personal growth, family, service, and impact. Okay, so I'm very much now have the clarity that if it doesn't fit in one of those buckets, I'm not so interested because it's going to get in the way and we only have a certain amount of time, right? And so in doing that discovery process, I'd enhanced everything about how I spend my time, where I focus on the environment and the people in the room that I wanted to learn from. So I'm always pushing myself to say, okay, how do I get to the next level of what I'm wanting to do? And who do I need to be around to do that? And then it's great because I then can use that as the ripple effect for the organization, you know, through the leaders that I lead. Um, and then through them to all of our agents and all of our other members of our leadership teams. There's something you said in there around your journey about like development, about people that the coach, what I actually found as well, going down that process of maps coaching. When you look at management versus leadership, um, you can manage people, but if you want to like elevate and retain great talent, great talent doesn't need to be managed. They need to be led. They already understand how to like do a certain task. I know how to recruit somebody. I know how to close a deal. I know how to do compliance. I know how to show up on time and I'm self-accountable and managing. Like I don't need somebody to manage me. I need somebody to coach me 
ask me great questions and consult me and then challenge who I am and the status quo because that's actually how you get to the next level. And I think for any of those people that are looking at like, what do I need to do? Because I know there's a lot of people out there that lead teams and like, this person's way more talented than I am. How the heck am I supposed to keep them around or how am I supposed to provide value to them? And I always go back to the fact of like, you got to become a better coach, a better consultant, a better like leader, because that's what other leaders want to be around because at some point management only gets you so far. And I think that's a, a very insightful point that you made, Kate, that anybody listening needs to understand is that if you want to grow to the next level, you have to actually invest in your coaching abilities and your listening skills, because that's actually what gets people to think. And then that leads people to have a certain feeling. And then when they're like, nobody around me has ever asked me that type of question. No one's ever actually challenged me in that way. Competitive people want that. They don't want to be told they're the best thing since sliced bread. They don't want to be told that they're you're amazing and just status quo. They want to say, I know I'm not great. And the fact that you pointed it out and then told me and challenged me how to get there and gave me a path and you were there to support me through the education of it, that actually builds a rapport and that actually builds a relationship that says, I want to be in that, that I want that person to be in my five to influence where I'm going to go in the future. Yes, to all of that. Um, I think one of the biggest hurdles was how to hold people accountable in a way that is still relationship-based and through care. Um, and I think anyone out there listening, when they make this transition, that's really challenging, right? Because you want to drive results and productivity. And at Ryan Homes, when I was managing, it was as simple as like all the names go up on a board. And if you've got zero, you've got zero and the 400 people in the company see it and you are so embarrassed and it's no wonder we had a lot of turnover. Um, and yet that was like <laughs> how it was like, it was just you know, and there were incredible incentives for people who did really well, right? Um, yet that doesn't really fly here, right? That's not how we do it. Uh, we are people first. And so it was a shift for me to understand, like, like, what are your personal goals? Like, we never talked about personal goals in any work setting I've ever been in. It was like, that was for after work, <laughs> um, for you to figure out like, what vacation do you want to take? Or what, what's going on with your kids? Like, do, what, what experience do you want to create with your family this year? No one ever asked me that until I got here. And I was like, this is fun. Cause I believe like we should be working to fund our life not like living to work, like that's backwards, right? So for me, taking a people-centric approach and having to, or getting to have those conversations and learning how to effectively tie someone's daily activity to what they really want in life, that was, that was like a game changer. You know, you, I'm going to bring this back to the beginning when you said, you know, you read our belief systems and this kind of jumped out at me. What I just heard you say was trust starts with honesty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Those things don't happen by stance. You don't get to walk into a room and just start asking questions. You have to build the relationship and earn the right to have those understandings and that background and that type of understanding of what they've been through, what they're going through, and where they want to go. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I love the and to make room for that in a work setting because, like I said, that usually it's not the norm. Well, let's think through that, right? Like, are you uh, one of my I think it was in bar. I was in restaurants when my buddy said this to me. He goes, my general manager at the time goes, Joe, your goal in leadership is not to run through wall or to throw people through walls. Your goal is to get them to run through walls for you. Uh, so I use that analogy a lot when I'm when I'm frustrated. The other one that I think you're hitting on both of you is both the tagline accountability without a relationship is harassment. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people will run through walls for you if they know how much you care and you actually care about them. And then the accountability actually doesn't come off as harassment anymore, really comes out of care. Mm-hmm. Which I think it's powerful for anybody trying to like manage what you're talking about, Kate. Yeah. And I think, you know, really understanding what someone's personal goals are as much as they're willing to allow, as much as they're willing to share, right? So how are we helping people like build their net worth? Like, what are they investing in? Like, we talk a lot about multiple streams of income. You know, like my friends outside of Keller Williams make fun of me because they're like, oh, what's this week's like multiple streams of income? And I'm like, oh my gosh. And, but then the same people the next week are like, can we chat about, you know, what you're doing about this? Um, So I just think when you've, when you've worked for, with in partnership with a company for so long and you really believe what we stand for, it shows up in every single aspect of your life. Um, and that is just, you know, and even in my parenting, like, or I should say our parenting, um, with my husband, like it's, you know, my kids know the bold laws. Like I'll say something like, you know, you know, how you participate here is how you participate everywhere. If they had like a crappy baseball practice, like you have to practice how you want to play. And they're like, is that a bold law, mom? (laughs) So it's, you know, they, they, it's a, it's a, it's a trickle down effect that I wouldn't trade for anything. I had that growing up and I believe wholeheartedly that that's why I am where I am today. I mean, my dad is studied under like Tony Robbins and Les Brown and, all these motivational, um, self-improvement type people. Um, he used to make me wear a button when I was little that said, I talked to myself like positive self-talk and he talked about, awesome. like getting me fun of as a kid. <laughs> like, you talk to yourself? Like, that's weird. And I'm like, no, but my dad said that like, if you tell yourself good thoughts, then, you know, people are like, that sounds really cool, you know? And so, <laughs> Yeah. So um, now we laugh about, you know, like I remember I would come down before like a big sports game and my mom would have like signs up on the kitchen cabinets, like you can do it. Like you're the best. So, I mean, that environment, <laughs> I'm very fortunate to have had that, right. A lot of positivity, not, not a uh, blind positivity, right. There are a lot of, you know, consequence type thought processes too. And yet I do think, you know, giving that to my kids and people around me, I think is probably part of the legacy that, you know, not probably is part of the legacy that I want to leave as well. No, I love when the people that we're talking to kind of trump me or beat me to the punch on some of the questions, like, because of course I'm going to ask them, like, you know, who inspired you, moved you? Like, well, how do you trump that story about your dad of uh, kind of leading you into this journey? Like a lot of people we spent for had impactful journeys and you mentioned life events and we all have them right but you had a pretty formative environment to come up through that of course was this is where you were going to go with it right and I, I think that's really awesome yeah I mean my dad's the one that told my three brothers and I like start your own company build your own business don't work for anybody else like he gave me the four-hour work week when I was like 21 And I didn't understand, like, I literally gave it back to him. was like, well, no one can get everything done in a day in four hours, dad. Like, this is dumb. Like, and I didn't, you know, I didn't get it. And he's like, you'll get it eventually. (laughs) So um, there was a lot of that. And then what I've also realized in coaching and consulting and leading a lot of other people 
is that it's much harder to break through mindset challenges and um, programming that they've been raised with as an adult than it is if they had an opportunity to be around different perspectives earlier on, right? So for me, you know, getting in, uh, I just became um, an instructor for uh, KW Kids Cam. And so for me, yeah, so I haven't done any events yet. I, I need to commit and just do it. Well, do we can pause there and kind of explain what that is? Yeah, so that's basically um, the use of Gary Keller and a lot of his mindset and um, life philosophy trainings in a program called Quantum Leap. And it's basically designed for kids of younger ages. There's different versions at different levels. And yet my thought process is if you can take something like that and teach it to someone who's 17 or 18 years old, I mean, gosh, like the possibilities and the exposure that, that they could achieve being exposed at that age to that when a lot of people aren't like I was, and I, I'm very fortunate. And yet a lot of people aren't right. And so to be able to like get to people as early as possible and through like, you know, our kids and their friends and my nieces and nephews and, you know, I'm kind of that person. Like at Thanksgiving last week, we went around, like, what are we thankful for? And like, my sister-in-law was like, well, you're thankful for your life by design. And I was like, I'm not sure if you're mocking me right now. And yet, yes, I am. <laughs> but that's awesome. Well, they know. They, right. I mean, it's everywhere. So anyway, I just want everyone to live the life that they want. I spent a lot of time hustling as a sales rep and a manager, tying my success to my results and my money only. And it wasn't until I got really sick and was like, you know, most people know the story, but unexpectedly diagnosed with breast cancer at 32 years old, where I swear it was like a wake up call from God. Like this is not sustainable. You need to stop and figure out your life. And then I did a whole like little life audit. I say, my therapist told me, I really love my husband, which I was thrilled about because that was like out there. Like I was like, Sam, we're good. Thank God. Um, so anyway, my therapist at the time was like, you need to switch your career. And I'm like, I think you're right. Um, and, and, and then Keller Williams came in my life. So not to sound, you know, whatever, but that's really how it happened. I got a question for you, Kate. This might be a little, I don't know if you're going to be like, I think takeaways for people is very important. Mm -hmm. And you just went through like a life transition of like where you were at, when you got out of college and your experiences and the different changes in perspective you got. I got to So see if you can answer this question because I think this is what I was kind of like. So for anybody listening, the takeaway is when someone's trying to figure out the life they want to have, the real ultimate question is like, who do you want to become? Mm -hmm. Right. And what advice would you give to people that are like kind of they're happy, but they're not ecstatic about their life. And they're kind of like, eh, status quo. How would you give, what advice would you give for somebody about figuring out who do they want to become in life and like what steps would you give for them to go down that? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I feel like I've used, I use a lot of the tools that Keller Williams provides, right? Like one of them is the diagram in the book, the one thing right on page, I think it's like 114 and there's these little bubbles and it basically says like, what's one thing that you you know, want to focus on in each of these areas, like your career, your business, your 
your, your health, your key relationships. And so for me, like I'm very tactical and action oriented. So I like to just take something like that and think about, okay, what is really one thing that I could do in this category that would get me closer to the person that I've always thought about being, or, you know, the, the other way that I think people could do it is identifying like, who is that person, whether you know them personally, whether you've heard of them, whether they're, you know, maybe like famous and you can't talk to them every day. And yet what do they do? And you just kind of go do that, right? Like I'm, I'm pretty like, where are people going that I want to go? What can I do to model that? And how does that show up in my real life? And what can I reasonably commit to in the next month, 12 weeks or a year to start building habits or well, yeah, habits to start building habits, to get closer to that person real to be closer to how that person is. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh, it's good. I think it's really insightful because I think most people have to understand is that success has a lot to do with behaviors and all you got to do is rip off and duplicate it. And like, if you think someone's really good at small talk, well, there's actually a system that they've got behind being really good at small talk. If they're really good at like closing sales, there's there's actually a process that they go behind. If they're really good at listening, they're really good at whatever, find the habits like you just brought up. And if that's what the behavior you want in your life, go find the people that have already done it and just model the behavior. Rather simple. Yeah, it's simple. And yet it's not, it doesn't come natural to a lot of people, right? So I think having like tools to actually use and we coach to things like a growth plan with all of our leaders, like, you know, going into 2023, you know, what are you hyper-focused on and how can each month you commit to like one or two things that allow you to get better in that area? Like for some of them, it's investing. For some of them, it's leadership. For some of them, it's balance of life and actually taking vacation. Like that's a conversation I have with all of our leaders is like, what are your, what's your 2023 vacation plan? Like you should kind of know it now, or at least some of it, because that should go in first. And then we're going to work around that instead of so many people just work till they think they can go and then they never go. And then what are we doing this for? You're spot on. <laughs> I probably should have thought of that before I started going bold. Um, <laughs> well, I should have thought of that before I had cancer. So <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes it just shows up. It's like, nope, that's not working. That's not going to work anymore. Yeah. So it's all good now. Yeah. <laughs> there's realness in it and there's how you deal with it. Yeah. And I can think of a few people who have dealt with the obstacles that they've been presented any better than how you've handled them. And, and that being said, I know none of that was easy, mm-hmm. but how you handled it, the way you looked at it, and the decisions you made says so much about it. Yeah. I mean, it feels like a lifetime ago because everything is so different, right? Even just how I treat people. Like I, you can ask my mother-in-law, like she, she'll tell people to this day, like Kate was not a great person. Like she wasn't that nice of a person. Like, and I wasn't because I was so focused on achieving because I thought that achieving was, was what it was all about. And I would achieve at all costs, right? Like it was just, I was going to do it and I did. And, um, that's not, I mean, so, I mean, a lot of things changed that, right. Having kids, you know, our marriage developing over the years, like watching tragic things happen to people around you and realizing you only get one shot at this. Like, what are we, what are you doing? 
Um, and then a lot of it was the environment of Keller Williams, like thinking about life as a whole instead of just a job or a business. It was like, you can do all of it and you can focus on all of it. So. Well, I think I'm going to wrap this one up. I'm going to give two pieces on what you just brought up. I think in order for you to change as a human, professionally, personally, there's two things that are most important what you just said, Kate. Who do you surround yourself with and what environment do you create? And if you can figure out your who's and you can figure out the environment that's most productive for you, everything in your world changes and you start to actually have an impact and have a fulfillment in life that you would never have before. So like, awesome. Yeah. I mean, and that's what I get to influence at KW Metro Center like every day, right? So like, that's what we're about and that's what we attract. And those are the people we want to be in business with. And we want to teach everyone in our world to live that way the best that they can and, and how to do that. So I love it. Well, that's awesome. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us. I hope you've got as much out of this conversation today as I know I did and Joe did uh, from Kate. And so we look forward to bringing this to all of you guys and tune in again for another episode of Entrepreneurial Impact. Kate, thank you very much. Thanks, thank everybody. You thank you.